to Radio TFS, episode number 77. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Good, good. Well, we should have a quick show for you today. We're kind of in, the, in a bit of dark mode at the minute because we're on the run-up to Techhead, so uh, apologies for that. Oh, you mean there's something that's going to be announced at Techhead? Oh, that's... No, it's just, I'm just busy preparing talks. Can't be bothered <laughs> writing any code. No, actually, I'm... It's actually, I'm... It's actually a true story, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I expect. I actually expect a lot of announcements, you know, uh, at TechEd. So, uh, oh, we'll I, see. You know, you know I'm not going to guess, but you know, I actually, considering what was announced last year at TechEd, and you know, the the play between TechEd and Build and stuff, I actually expect we're going to hear some. You know, we'll we, we'll hear some RTM announcements. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't some surprise announcements. I don't expect to hear about Visual Studio 2014 or anything like that. But um, I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I I'm going to be watching because the keynote's going to be streamed live, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll be definitely watching that, and it's going to be that is on uh, May 12th at 9 p.m. Uh, 9 a.m. Uh, that, and that'll be 9 a.m. in Houston time, whatever Houston time zone Houston's right. in. Yeah, but uh, no, it should be good. I mean, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. It's always a, I always enjoy the crowd at TechEds and things. You know, it's always good, good banter to be had. There's, um, you know, a large chunk of developers out there, especially in the ALM space as well. It's, uh, it's always a good, it's always a good crowd. To, lots of interesting people in the ALM world. So, are yeah, you, very interested. Are you manning a booth? I'll be there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, come and come over and have a listen. I'll have the last like five. Visual Studio Heart Git stickers with me, so if anyone wants to come grab them, I should do some Radio TFS stickers as well, shouldn't I? While I'm there, see how that goes. Yeah, maybe I should. Um, oh, hey, uh, Greg, I, I mentioned I was chatting to one of my friends who's a musician, and he's uh, gonna have a go at doing us a new theme tune. So, oh really? I can't, rem- I can't remember who it was who wrote in. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> said some really good stuff. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if he we'll see if he delivers. I promised him a creative beer if he delivers. So. Uh, uh, we'll find out. No, he's he's actually pretty good, so we shall see. Awesome. Um, now, yes, yeah, so it's a fairly quiet show, so we'll get we'll get started. Um, one of the things that was good, uh, Jason Sincere um, had a um, so he's on the Agile Coder. Uh, we, we've had some of his stuff before. He, Jason's an interesting guy because he's he's interested in the whole ALM space, you know, not just TFS. Though he's obviously done quite a few posts on TFS because we've spoken about him, but he's he's interested in in everything, you know, in all the Atlassian world as well and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but he did a uh, a really um, sort of interesting to me post. I don't know if it's interesting to anybody else <laughs> about how uh, Visual Studio Online sort of won him over, and he kind of you know accidentally discovered RALM stuff because of Visual Studio Online, which was pretty awesome. He he, he was re- relaying a story about how you know somebody's asking him a question about what was new between Visual Studio 2013 and 2012, and he didn't really know, so he just did a search for 2013, and you know he, he arrived at VisualStudio.com and was like, oh look, free. <laughs> free stuff i like that and before he knew it he'd kind of clicked on the link and created himself a free account at visual studio online and created himself a project and um invited four friends in and you know within like a couple of seconds and then he went and downloaded uh, visual studio express and again that's free you know and connected that up into vso and did all the stuff and you know had it all hooked up and did some planning and even got a build up and running and then you know the build was up and running because it was all in the cloud for, again for free and it's like wow this is actually pretty crazy so um 
Yeah, it was just it was an interesting take. If you haven't played Visual Studio Online, it's worth reading. We'll put a post in the show notes. It's worth reading through his experience. And why haven't you? If you've bothered to download this podcast, you, you definitely should have created you know, an itself an account over at Visual Studio Online. Um, now we mentioned um, last show, and also you know I was talking about it with a lot of people at Build was around the ability to um, get your data from uh, Visual Studio Online. And, and bring it on prem. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's a, a quite a few people sort of asked questions about that uh, while I was at Build, and I want, you know wanted to mention there's there's an MSDN post about that. Um, again, we'll stick that in the show notes. But basically, it explains the process you have to go through when you're moving. One, you 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 need to install the update two of TFS 2013. Again, that's what we mentioned last time. That's why that's why we made TFS 2013 update two RTM. You know, because we needed that ready so people could do the upgrades. Um, and then you you kick off the export of your account. So you you go up into the admin tab, and then you can you can see there's a there's an export. You know, you got the little admin gear icon thingy. Mm-hmm. You click on that, and then if you're the account owner, uh, you'll see a little export tab, and you can go in and you press the start button, and it goes off, and uh, asynchronously it's doing a backup offline. Um, and then uh, it goes and do, extracts all that data out and puts it in a zip file ready for you to import. So you don't have to sit there and wait for this extract to happen because it can take a while. Uh, you just go away and then come back again in a you know next day or in a few hours or whatever, and and your database will be there ready to download. And you hit the download button and you get a zip file and then you unzip it locally, you know, and uh, and bring it into um, to on-prem. When you do that, you, you visit, there's some command line stuff you have to do to import it because you want to um, use a settings file to do your um, your domain or your your user mappings. Right. You have to map, you know, from your live IDs over into your local identities, your AD, your Active Directory identities. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you run that 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 does all the migration stuff it needs to do, and then all you have to do then is just attach attach that to your TFS server, and you should be up and up and running hopefully. But we'll, we shall see see how it goes. I, I'd love it if people wanted to, even if people wanted to give it a try um on their accounts you know and just try doing it and let us know how it goes i'd actually really appreciate that so you can let me know personally martin Wu at microsoft.com or martin.woodward at microsoft.com uh if you do if you go through this export and have a go that'd be great yeah i like this um, guide it, yeah it's pretty it looks looks like it's really simple actually to do once you get that mapping done and that's the kind of neat thing i like about that you know the fact that it is yeah. you know it's just TFS in the cloud or, or Visual Studio in cloud, and you can download it and attach it and go. So it should hopefully make the, you know, do we use the VSO? Do we do on-prem uh, decision a little bit easier to make, knowing that you can get that stuff out? Yeah, we obviously need it to go the other way as well. You know, we need to be able to take on-prem and move it out to cloud, and obviously that, that, that would be something that would be very keen. But getting this data out of the cloud was something we promised to everybody and promised to ourselves that we needed to do before we could, you know, start charging for the cloud service. We wanted to give all those people who'd used it for free for so long right. the the option to not pay us, you know, if they want to go <laughs> use an on-prem server instead and, and not pay the subscription fee, then, then do what, that. What kind of business are you? Gosh, you know, exactly. supposed to lock people in, and you know, you know. get them hooked, and then start, you know, doing the whole drug dealer thing. You know, the first one's free. Look after your customers. If you look after your customers, <laughs> everything else follows from there. Is always my my rule in life, anyway. So certainly Brian's rule in life, which is good. So something that we don't talk about a lot 
really is um, PowerShell and TFS and, and how they work together. Got a post from the scripting guys. Uh, Ed Wilson uh, has some guest posts from uh, Susan Farrell. And yeah, Susan's actually one of a she's a she's a long time uh, one of the senior technical writers who's done a lot of the documentation and you know like the the legendary admin guide the chum file you have right. to download and stuff she did a lot of that sort of stuff so she's been around the block for a long long time when it comes to TFS so um, yeah anyway carry on sorry <laughs> no no that's good good background uh, she's uh, writes up on how you do PowerShell and TFS and. Uh, both, you know, using the TFS Power Tools, which we've talked about before, um, linking to a bunch of other different resources, uh, linking to a resource from uh, Jason Stengroom, um, that uh, where he's actually creating a TFS project in uh, PowerShell. But, you know, PowerShell really is one of those hidden gems. And if you're not using it, you, you should, from an automation and repeatability point of view, you know, uh, PowerShell is pretty darn powerful. So uh, this post goes into getting started, to playing with it, to um, all those other things that you want to do with PowerShell and TFS. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a great post. Great post. Yeah, definitely. The best thing about using PowerShell, obviously, is if there isn't, you know, we have the commandlets available, but if there isn't a commandlet around that does what you need to do, it's just .NET. So you can just, you know, bring up an instance, yet an instance of the API and just go do some stuff off it. So it's incredibly powerful if you're trying to script TFS automation. Anything you can do in Visual Studio and a heck of a lot more you can do through the API. And if you want to script that API, then PowerShell's the way to go. Yeah, don't be like, you know, my first, you know, uh, um, thing that I always want to do is, you know, far up Visual Studio, new project, add references. You, you don't need to do that. You know, if it's quick and dirty, you can PowerShell it. So Definitely. Another talk, speaking, speaking, speaking of, of quick and dirty PowerShell, exactly. <laughs> Got a post. Not that, I'm re- not that I'm referring to you, uh, 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 Mohammed. Uh, Mohammed to, uh, Rodwin. Has, has got another post uh, talking about PowerShell and how he's using it to automate one of his processes. And in this case, it's the backlog. Uh, you know, he wants to automate uh, that TFS 2013 backlog, and he goes into a number of details on uh, getting the script. And it's actually a pretty long script, but he's goes nice pictures, nice examples, and um, in the end. This script does one. It exports categories. It renames a bug to custom bugs. It does uh, just a whole bunch of uh, assigned two columns, work items, renaming, changing, closing, uh, all these things all in one like fairly monstrous script. So it's good stuff. Mohammed's yeah. one of our like uh, great MVPs. We've uh, we've got some really uh, great TFS people uh, in Egypt. Quite a lot of the TFS team actually. There's you know there's some quite a few Egyptians in the TFS team as well. But Mohammed's one of uh, you know I, I, I hate to mention another one of these ALM MVPs, but he he is uh, based out of Egypt and he he's done some great stuff. So um, yeah, it's a, a really interesting post. Yeah. It's, um, it's, be, yeah. Be, to be sure we're clear, it's automating the customization of the backlog, not the automating the backlog itself, but a massive customization for that backlog. 
Yeah, so this is, and this is so you can repeat that customization. You you, you want to do it on lots of, say, team projects or lots of, you know, you, you have a way of working that you want to roll out across a customer. You can practice the customization first in your little test instance and then and then have it scripted so you can just deploy it overnight to, you know, to, the, to your main production server. So. It's all good. Um, So that's kind of, you know, we've been talking a bit about extensibility and stuff. Um, uh, Subo has um, done a .NET Curry. We've, again, featured a lot of his posts. He does some great stuff. Um, He did a a good article around, well, this was around extending Team Foundation Server. But what I quite like about it was it was very um, scenario focused. You know, he picked sort of uh, three scenarios. One's around um, sort of or, or um, doing some things based on events, you know, when you want to like, well, here you go, I'm going feature based again. But anyway, <laughs> one was around like hooking into TFS events. One was around checking policies. And the other one was doing some stuff around uh, the build customization and things. Um, and, but he's going through and he explains the different sort of scenarios. And these are very, very common extensions that I see people building. But the thing I quite liked about his checking policy stuff was he, he, he didn't just cover how to do checking policies for .NET, which is, you know, is, that's pretty well written up. He also hooked into the um, the checking policy stuff for uh, um, using the uh, doing checking custom checking policies for uh, Eclipse. You know, for doing the Java checking policies. So it was all good, and um, he's he's written some good posts on that in the past. So yeah, it's it quite an interesting piece. I was really glad to put that together. So thank you very much. And another thing around extensibility and process templates, we've actually um, shipped a new version of the SDL process template. Um, so SDLs are, you know, secure um, life cycle. Security, sort of secure development life cycle yep. yeah, secure development life cycle. Yeah, security development life cycle, security development. Basically, it's the steps we follow when we're, when we're building software, you know, when we're doing things like thinking about creating threat models and um you know, doing your fuzz testing and making sure we we do things like um we because we ship every three weeks um we we have to keep up with our security tenants they're called in Microsoft we can't just like save security to the end we have to keep worrying about security all the time obviously <laughs> right. which everybody does but you actually can't ship a product inside Microsoft unless every single person in your team has been on security training in the last. Um, 12 month period I think it is and because we're shipping all the time we basically just have to do our training every you know every six months personally so that you're never at a point where you accidentally are going to hold up a, a three-week sprint. <laughs> you can't ship one of the sprints because one guy on the team forgot to do his security training, you know, that year kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. And um, if anyone's interested in SDL, then then definitely take a look at a process template. Interesting enough, we'd actually, this isn't the process template that we use. Uh, we use, um, in fact, my team uses the, um, the Scrum process template, interesting enough. But we have tooling and stuff that... Um, um, we have us, you know, we have those those work items in our in the, in our you know process template as work items that we need to do, and we we have a separate tool which kind of tracks for every project across Microsoft, you know, making sure you're following through these these work items, these gates. So um, we yeah it, it, we sort of measured it in a, in a in a in a standalone TFS system, not actually in 
not not in the same one that we're doing all our work tracking and stuff. So, but it's, it's definitely worth taking a look at, even if you just install the process template and and create some things and you know think about some activities you should be doing to make your stuff more secure. You know, I should be looking for cross-site scripting vulnerabilities <laughs> when I do websites, for example. I you know I should worry about click jacking. I you know or just all the or just doing things like threat modeling is just you know so valuable. So. How, yep. I don't know if I've ever asked how customized is your are your project templates? Oh man, well, m- mine it depends on the team. Um, I try and use a in my teams try and use a vanilla Scrum process template. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my team's out in the service as well, so we kind of have to, you know. But um, the the process te- a typical process template inside Microsoft is horrible because it's like you know. <sighs> It's a <laughs> deep sigh. It's a <laughs> it's um a not very well known fact that the the oldest code in TFS is actually the work item tracking like stuff that has its heritage in a very 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 you know the very original bug tracking systems inside Microsoft and stuff. It was originally called RAID and was then called I think called Product Studio and things. And <laughs> you know it, it can trace its heritage all the way back. When you look in the code, you can see a bunch of stuff that's come through that whole time. And as because of we've had this heritage of bug tracking systems that we've carried forwards, we've also had the heritage of like bug tracking forms and work item forms we've carried forwards. And we keep fixing them occasionally, but uh, quite often we'll leave like old fields in just in case somebody needs them, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so you end up with these monster forms of like a million fields in, and like loads. Every one of them's mandatory and blah blah blah. So recently we've actually with a couple of groups started doing a started doing a lot of stuff to actually you know scrap them and start them from scratch and have them nice and neat. But if you were to look at um, if you were to look at an old, uh, like one from say Dev twelve, so uh, Visual Studio twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, uh, Visual Studio twenty thirteen, you would it's completely customized and, and massive. When I worked at Team Prize, mm-hmm. we got an extract of the of Microsoft's process template um, to use as a as a test case for because Team Prize, there's Team Explorer everywhere has its own renderer, you know, to right. render the work item form and to do all the rules processing, and so we actually used their process template as a as a test case for us because we found loads of rules and loads of like ways of doing stuff in their customizations that we'd never seen before and weren't overly documented. So it was just like. <laughs> It's like, oh, you can do that. Oh my, okay, right then, okay, let's fix our renderer. So as soon as we knew we could render the Microsoft process template, we knew we were good to go. So yeah, <laughs> pretty customized. If you're, and, and the, the worst thing, sorry, you've, you've set me off on the rant. Here we go. <laughs> the, the worst thing is uh, for a lot of internal teams um, and a lot of a lot of people using TFS in general, their opinion of the products and their exposure to the product is through the process template they have and the checking policies and the, the stuff that they have set up, mm-hmm. you know, in their company. <laughs> you're not doing people. You're not doing me any favors <laughs> when you do like a massively complicated process template that makes people jump through a bunch of hoops or like 10 bajillion checking policies and, you know, mandatory fields in the che- in checking notes and things. Cause you add in friction to people doing their work and, you know, a lot of times I go in and the friction that's been added, they blame like TFS and then you go looking like, no, TFS is actually quite good. <laughs> We've got our faults. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> 
we're a long way from perfect. Um, I'll be the first to tell you our faults. But yeah, when I look at people's experiences of TFS through these hideously customized process templates and things I'm like, oh, no wonder, no wonder you're not enjoying your life right now. So um, yeah, so please don't customize it too much. I would stick the the, the out the box Scrum template with like the occasional maybe you need to change a field or add some custom data in. That's great. Don't go crazy though if you can avoid it. When I worked in a proper when I had a proper job and I was doing TFS stuff, um, my default answer when somebody came and asked me for a field was no right. until, until I could get them to, you know, and it felt like a bit of a DB, you know, it's a bit of a DBA move, that, a bit of a jerk move. But it was um, just, you know, let's talk about why you need this field. You know, is it the, A, do we even need to collect this data? Is it just data you want to collect because you can? Um, is it worth the tax you're paying by adding friction and making people give it to you? And then if it is, is there is there, is there some way of collecting that data already? You know, and and are, are we are we doing our process correctly? One of the favourite ones was in terms of like uh, around estimation. I love the fact that the estimation fields on tasks are all about the hours remaining. Mm-hmm. That's a deliberate thing we deliberately did. Um, and that's because what that's what we want people to focus on is is the is the amount of time remaining on a task, and that's the most healthy way of, we think right. that people work. It's not that we've ignored the fact that a lot of people like to track original estimates and actuals versus estimates and things like that. Yeah, I know people want to track that, but you'll find that people get to eighty percent and stay there. You know, yeah. what we want to know is how much time is remaining. That's all we care about. We know work always takes longer than you think. How and uh, you know you can you can you can get better estimation separately to this. Uh, how long have you got to remain? Anyway, right, r- run off. We've chat. We, we we've mentioned and talked about time tracking and TFS and uh, you know just don't. Yeah, we've got time. Yeah, I mean there are time tracking like add-ons and stuff, right. but generally don't. But I'm talking from a hugely privileged position where we don't have to fill out timesheets in Microsoft. You know, <laughs> that, this is the first job I've ever had where I didn't. Well, apart from the team prize, where I didn't have to fill out a timesheet. When I've had a real job, I had to do timesheets all the time. So I can understand the desire for it, but yeah, it's not a particularly healthy thing. Well, it's about that time of the show. It sure is. Yep. Episode 77. Wow, 77. What are we going to do for episode 100? Anyway, we'll talk about that later. It's a way (laughs) off, yeah. Uh, Episode 77 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SaaS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email sales at S-A-A-S-M-A-D-E-E. E-A-S-Y.com. And again, we have to continue to thank them for helping us bring you the show. Speaking of the show, and speaking of TFS and analysis and uh, support and all that good stuff. Wow. I was wondering where you were going with that one. That was a seamless segue. (laughs) Okay. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a long week. So uh, Shiraj was doing. He's been doing some great posts around the, um, you know, on the TFS setup blog, um, which we'll link to. But um, if you, I don't, know, I don't know if you know, but all basically all of the databases and all of reporting server and SharePoint and everything, they don't all have to be on your TFS server. And um, in a large scale TFS instance, they're probably not. But when you start off, you quite often just install TFS on a box, you know, a spare box that happened, and then all of a sudden people start using it, and it grows over time. Yep. And before you know it, you've got like a thousand people on it, and you're like, oh, um, we could really do with like separating some of this stuff out. So 
it's really easy to do when you're doing the, you know, if you're going through a setup wizard, it's just point them at the appropriate boxes and off you go. But what if you want to do it after the fact, after you've installed TFS, which is, you know, let's face it, the way that 90% of people have to do this thing. So um, anyway, we've got some good posts explaining how to do this. The first one is taking the analysis and warehouse database off your um, off your main SQL tier. And that that's going to that's going to do a lot of stuff for your SQL tier. You can it can allocate a lot more memory to um, uh, processing the, you know, the online transactions, the actual queries and the and the you know work item queries and the source control stuff you know it'll free up a lot of room there and it'll it'll offload all your data warehouse analysis over onto a completely separate box that hey if someone's running a massive query to do some you know weird complicated like figuring out how many lines of code we've done over the past four years kind of thing great that doesn't slow people from checking in you know so that's a good thing to do um the second one to go look at is is then to take the whole reporting server off onto a different server again that's fairly simple thing to do and that's again very worthwhile and finally um sharepoint's great but it can be it can be a bit of a beast you know in terms of resources and things that it takes politely um or you might even have your sharepoint you know you might have a sharepoint farm already inside your enterprise and you know you were using the sharepoint built into tfs for now and you want to kind of move to a corporate farm thing well again uh, we have another post there explaining how to how to do that so and, and then once you if you went through all these you'd basically just have a tfs application tier that is you know purely serving up web requests in IIS and then a TFS data tier that's purely doing the online the online transactions for that for that and separately the warehouse separately the report server and separately your SQL server and, and then once you've got that kind of scale out that can support you know thousands of users even on a fairly reasonably sized hardware but it also puts you in a good position to you can now separately scale any individual ones of those you know logical boxes if you want more data tiers you can just do that and have a cluster of them if you need more application tiers you can just cluster those up and stuff so it's a, it's a good way to do it so you guys know that I really like sharing free training. Um, we are responsible for our own careers, for our own future. Uh, training is important towards that. And when it's free, so much the better. Microsoft and Northwest Cadence have gotten together to provide you guys, provide all of us, some of that free training. They're using the Microsoft Virtual Academy, which is an awesome resource if you're not using it for development, for ALM, for IT. These courses are there, and they're not just videos. They're not just like, you know, a, a series of uh, just recorded web sessions, but it's an actual course that they break them up into individual modules, and each module has uh, both. There's even, like, testing on it. You, you can take the self-assessment self self assessment so you can see you know how well you're grokking it it's not hard and you get points and you build up these points and you get you know chivos achievements for for creating these sessions it tracks how far you are through with them all you add them to your learning plan so it's like an online um, university they are broken up into videos so you go to the videos you look at the slides um, but Again, it's free. There's recommendations for the next sessions. So what are we talking about? There's four sessions that we're talking about today. Um, Steve Borg, friend of the show, Cheryl Hammond, James Tupper, Andrew Clear are all in these different video, these um, modules. The modules are using Kanban, using Git with Visual Studio 2013, fundamentals of lean software develop, delivery, and enterprise agility is not an oxymoron by uh, Steve Borg and Andrew Clear. I, I, that one 
makes me laugh because no, it, it's not an oxymoron. Really, it's not. No, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't have to be, and that's why these guys. Are, this in that case, this is a seven module um, training course. It's free. Use it. It's pretty amazing as well. There's um the these guys like Stephen and Cheryl uh, often do precons at you know like Tech Ed and things, mm-hmm. and uh, they they always want you know some of the high scoring precons there. And the fact you can get all that training for free is just such a good deal. So thanks Northwest Cadence for putting that together. Hey, and when I was out at Build, I was talking with the Integrate guys, and they've got their um, smart office for TFS stuff. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I've seen. So- I've never actually I haven't used them yet, but I've seen them mentioned. Yeah, I hadn't played with them much until I was uh, I, I got a demo from them out of build. There's a couple of good ones. The the, the two they have things for you know like uh, different office products. The two that were actually most interesting um, in reverse order, we'll put them. There's a there's a Visio for TFS uh, plugin, well integration. Um, again, these are commercial ones, but it's um, it allows you to do like diagrams of work items. You know, if you want to map your hierarchies and your work items items and things which is pretty neat yeah. it even allows you to um you know just sort of uh yeah visually visually author your work items and things which is actually pretty clever so that's pretty neat and then the other thing that um is very good and I know a lot of people really like is the word plugging um into into word and it's you know we've we've covered the one that the rangers do where mm-hmm. you know it just well, basically extracts um, work items into a Word document, which is quite neat. But this allows you to go, um, you know, allow you to do that sort of thing, but also go the other way around and mark up a work document and, you know, create work items the other way around and sort of say, hey, this is a work item here, this is a requirement here kind of thing. And, and you know, keep keep those documents in sync with actual real TFS work items and stuff. So it's um, if, you, if you're interested in, like, uh, requirements definition and that sort of stuff, then the integrate product is probably the stuff to look at and this smart word for TFS is definitely something that from the demo I saw is definitely worth a look at. I haven't used it I haven't used it in anger, but it, it was a, certainly a very impressive demo. <laughs> so Greg, it's about that time of the show. Did we have a, have a well, how have the Rangers been with us this week? Have I, we had anything from the Rangers? We've got some a little bit from the Rangers, which is good. Cool. Since last week we didn't have anything. This post is actually one you, you all you listeners need to go to. You need to go to it pretty much now um, we'll put the, the link in the show notes. It's really short. It's aka.msvsarindex. Um, this is an index, a list of all, all of the ALM Rangers. And I did not wow. re- realize how many people there are. The, and this list goes from active to honorary to associate to the Ruckmasters to distinguished to the stakeholders. There are of active Visual Studio Rangers. There's 170 of them. I, I just yeah. that blows my mind. I I thought it was like a team of like twelve or something. I, I didn't realize it was so many. And what's great about this list is they've been going through and introducing the Rangers to the world. So this this is an active list. If you see somebody that you're interested in, um, and like you know, like our friend Brian Keller, he's listed here, and there's an introduction about you know his role with the ALM Rangers. Uh, so, yeah, if you're interested in any of the Rangers, interested in becoming a Ranger, wanting what they're doing, um, who they are, uh, you got to go to this list. Definitely. And Willie does such a great job, you know, putting all that stuff together as well. He's, he's amazing. So if you have that list of Rangers, what, where are these Rangers? That's what I kind of thought that this next post was really interesting. And that, Willie, 
created using the Microsoft Power Map for Excel, created a 3D virtualization of all of the Rangers and where they are. And I just thought that was cool. You know, it's a really short one. Uh, he doesn't really get details on how he created it, um, but he did a video of it, and it, it's really pretty awesome. So, you know, once you look at those 170 Rangers, where are they? And, and that's what this list uh, and video shows i'm watching it now it's probably bad probably probably one in a country near you looking at this yeah it's probably bad to do while while also doing skype but there we go cool cool good stuff hey well greg it's about uh, i think that's about a show yep i think so so if you are out together then do come and see us well come see me anyway and have a chat and drop by that'd be great um catch one of my many sessions unfortunately <laughs> i should probably get them prepared and uh otherwise um we'll probably do, should we do another show from the tech head floor they're always quite good yeah yeah cause that we'll see you know how off i was with my predictions and you can make fun of me or you can uh or not you can say wow greg you were pretty uh pretty close there even though i didn't make any <laughs> anything too astounding we'll see <laughs> Cool. Great. Well, uh, yeah, thanks very much for your time. Uh, We'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS.